Hello, everyone. Welcome to A Seat at the Table podcast. I'm your host, Bianca Heron, lead editor at HR Daily Advisor. This podcast focuses on diversity, equity, and inclusion in the workplace, featuring thoughtful conversations and insight from experts, change makers, and leaders from the business world. For today's episode, I'm super excited to be joined by Serena Perez, co-founder of Home, the all-in-one talent development platform based on small group, expert-led live virtual classes. Savina's passion for DEI is both personal and professional as she helps leaders uncover bias in the workplace, and she offers data points that back it up. Savina, welcome to the show. How are you? I am doing well, Bianca. It's a pleasure to be here. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm super excited to have you here. So we're just going to dive right in, all right? I think I'm ready. Let's see. Let's <laughs> see. Let me, let me hold on to my desk here. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Be comfortable. Let it go. We're, we're totally at rest here. This is a relaxed vibe here. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> Savina, what's your definition of having a seat at the table? Oh, goodness. I think that, you know, for me personally, having a seat at the table means that I not only have a voice, but I have a group that's willing to listen. So that excites me, right? Obviously, it's something that I'm passionate about. You know, it's something that drives me as an individual, uh, going all the way from an individual contributor uh, through VP and then um, now as I've co-founded Hone. um, I've always aspired to have a seat at the table. And really, you know, again, for me, that is about, not you know, having a voice, but also making sure that people have open ears and are ready to listen. I love what you're saying. When I hear things like, you know, of course, a seat at the table means having a voice, but it also means having a group that will that's willing to listen, you know, that you're willing to be heard. Wow, that is that shows because, quite frankly, that's what all of us want. Right. At the end of the end of the day to be heard. Right. As well as to be seen. And that, uh, I think, is now more important than ever in the workplace. That's absolutely true. And if you think about that, um, you know, uh, something that somebody said to me years ago, you know, if a, if a tree falls in the forest, but no one's there to, to, to hear it, does it make a sound? Mm-hmm. So I think that for, you know, for us, it's really important that when we, when we get into a room, uh, and obviously, uh, you know, if we have a seat at the table, or when we have a seat at the table, I should rephrase, that there are individuals that are there to, to hear it. So that we do, you know, not only, not only do we have this in our, you know, whatever we need to say in our own minds, but there's, uh, you know, there's people there that, you know, that hopefully whatever we have to say, it'll, it'll have some type of impact. Absolutely. And of course, uh, we've seen what the past two years now, now living with COVID-19, right? And the changes, the, the immense, immense, excuse me, I get excited, the immense changes uh, that it's brought on uh, since 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 it came around. And of course, before then, there were a lot of things top of line for HR leaders. Of course, uh, diversity and inclusion, right, being one of them. Uh, but of course, COVID has now uh, fast-tracked, right? So many things. Uh, we, we went home, we went, we went remote. Some of us are back in the office. Some of us are still remote or hybrid work. Um, is it possible though, with that whole rush to remote work, did that objectively hurt belonging in DI, or is that objectively hurting belonging in DI? We speak about that a lot, Bianca. Um, you know, within our organization, the truth of the matter is that I, I do think uh, that the rush to remote uh, has impacted maybe not all 
of uh, of the workforce. Uh, when I and when I speak to that, you know, I think that knowledge workers have benefited from the ability to be able to work from home or have a hybrid experience. But there's a huge, you know, uh, I would say segment of the work the working population that don't have the option to work from home. Right, uh, and and we saw those those frontline workers, uh, those folks that were working, uh, you know, uh, at grocery stores, uh, that were uh, in, you know, working in hospitality, obviously healthcare, uh, and they just there 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 was no ifs ands or buts. They had to you know jump on public transportation if they were in a big city or or drive to to their you know to their work and 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 be on time and and be visible and and be there. Um, and, and that's challenging because these, you know, especially during the, the peak of the pandemic, not, not only did they not have options, but I'm trying to think about where I'm going to go with this. Well, for that segment of the workforce, the truth of the matter is that, you know, they had to find alternative arrangements for things like childcare, uh, you know, um, uh, for uh, just being able to get done what they needed to get done personally, uh, in addition to obviously professionally. So I think that there has been an impact with regards to the, uh, you know, the, the different segments of the working population, um, some, some of which, you know, again, benefited more so uh, from being able to have that hybrid experience or work from home than others. I think from my lens for frontline workers and underrepresented groups, you know, remote work doesn't always level the playing field, right? For most marginalized groups that already struggle with equity uh, in the workplace, in the modern workplace, working remotely can put them on, you know, or even further out of sight and sometimes even out of mind, uh, leading to, you know, pretty significant implications on their individual careers, dependent care, and and I think one of the more most important aspects, uh, really, their mental well-being. Yes, yes. And mental health and well-being in the workplace is critical right now. Absolutely. I mean, we have to stay healthy, right? That's the, and, and, you know, I think a lot of organizations now are starting to realize that, uh, that that's a huge component. You know, I know that we work, or I work uh, personally being a chief customer officer at Hone with a lot of HR leaders, uh, that it's been challenging because they're burning out. They're dealing with so many things over the past couple of years, obviously the pandemic, uh, racial injustice, uh, the war in Ukraine, you know, everything kind of that that's happening from a macro uh, environment perspective is kind of landing on their desks. Um, and so being able to navigate that uh, as individuals, but also for their teams, because we're dealing with a lot of life right now. We're dealing with a lot of things that, that are taking place. And so sometimes we need to just kind of give ourselves grace, take a step back, uh, breathe a little bit, um, and, uh, you know, understand that, uh, or, or be able to have some space to be able to, to, uh, to navigate some of the challenges that we're experiencing both professionally and personally. Uh, but mental health and well-being is certainly important in the world, uh, in the workplace. And of course, we're seeing with the great resignation, uh, that's not affecting all sectors, right? Right. But, but. But some, uh, but people are leaving or rather getting jobs and, you know, hey, this isn't what I signed up for. This is, so I'm out, I'm leaving, which is turning now to the uh, phenomenon of ghosting. Have you heard about that? Yes, yes, very much so. I mean, it's interesting as we see with the great resignation and ghosting, kind of what what the the past couple of years, the impact that it has actually had on workers. Uh, you know, I think that, you know, everyone's kind of reevaluating what's important. 
right? Uh, and, uh, you know, kind of what they're willing to sacrifice uh, as they think about new positions and opportunities, uh, and quite frankly, what they're not willing to do at this point. So yeah, definitely. I mean, these phenomenon, uh, this phenomenon that we're seeing right now, um, I think it's just kind of the tip of the iceberg uh, with regards to like, you know, the decentralization of the workforce and and the impact that's going to have not only on individuals, but on organizations and the future of work. Can we talk about that a little bit? What do you mean by the decentralization of the workforce? You know, I think that uh, just simply what it implies, right? So with uh, organizations moving to remote work, I don't think there's ever going to be, uh, or I shouldn't say ever, right? But I think that it's a long shot that uh, many uh, or most industries will require individuals to be within the workplace, uh, you know, five days a week, six days a week or what have you. I think at this point, you know, what, and, and then the reason why I say that is because before the, uh, the reasoning for it was that we just can't do it because we can't maintain uh, the business outside of the four walls of, of, of the actual office space. And we realized with this mass migration during the pandemic where every industry uh, or most industries, I should rephrase, I keep saying every, but most industries had to pivot um, to uh, to being able or, or enabling remote work in some capacity, we realized it's possible. Uh, therefore, that excuse of, well, we just, we're not able to do it because we're you know highly regulated industry. I think banking, insurance, even uh, healthcare, for that matter, um, we're not able to to move that to a completely online experience. We see that that that's that's not the case. We are able to make uh, not just concessions, but there's technologies out there that enable us to be able to uh, to make uh, make the remote the remote aspect of, of of that possible. Absolutely, and to your point, like you said. Uh, not only can you, you, you can't use that as an excuse anymore, right? Because it's possible, but also the employees, that's what they want now. A lot of them are speaking and, mm-hmm. hey, we've been at home. We want to stay there. Well, that's the whole thing. And I mean, I think that, you know, for us, uh, for Hone, um, that's also been a benefit. You know, obviously we are an enterprise platform for live online learning and we enable organizations to scale management, leadership and diversity and inclusion training to their global workforce, uh, and we, uh, you know, we do all of that virtually. It's live, but it's virtual. Um, and you know, organizations at one point they were saying, well, you know, when we do training, it, sh- it needs to be done in person, especially when we think about soft skill development. Um, now, mind you, I I think that the soft skills are actually the hard skills. Uh, but you know, if you want to learn those, uh, you know, uh, frameworks, etc., um, you know, to apply in your day to day, it needs to be done in an interactive environment where you could ask questions, you could learn from your peers, et cetera. So that's something that, you know, we've been focused on um, as an organization, like how can we enable individuals and organizations to scale this type of trading to their employees outside of the four walls, outside of a meeting room? Absolutely. Absolutely. And of course, okay, I think this might be a great time to talk about unconscious bias here. That's also an area that you guys cover and we do, we do. So we do have a, uh, you know, a class on on unconscious bias where we cover the different types of biases, including affinity bias, right? The tendency for people, uh, uh, the tendency people have to connect with others 
We share similar interests, backgrounds, experiences, uh, schooling, things of that nature. Uh, and then uh, the halo horns effect, you know, really a, a form of uh, a bias which occurs when an employee is highly competent or incompetent in one area and the supervisor rates the employee correspondingly high or low. Uh, and then recency uh, bias. Um, so we we do offer uh, classes on bias, on microaggressions, on embracing diversity uh, through inclusion, uh, but also creating a culture of belonging within the workplace. How do we how do we provide an opportunity uh, or uh, or uh, for training around inclusivity and allyship? So um, you know we that's that's I, I you know we're doubling down on on, on this type uh, this type of training and. You know, I think that what makes uh, us a little bit different is the fact that we don't consider this a one and done. So it's not just one class of microaggressions, right? We believe in continuous learning, uh, and it's really critical to retaining your top formers and enabling them for success. And, you know, really what we're seeing is 33% of employees will change jobs this year. You know, 94% of employees said that they would stay at a company longer if there was an investment in their learning and development. Uh, And, you know, this is, you know, with what we offer, uh, obviously with with our DEI training, we also offer uh, classes uh, specific to management and leadership skills. Um, but it should be something that they're taking ongoing throughout their career journey and even over the course of a year. Why should HR leaders lean into workplace training to help raise awareness of unconscious bias, you know, the microaggressions and all that you're uh, teaching, you know, at all levels of an organization? Why should they? Well, I mean, that's what really, uh, when you think about the key pillars of a great leader, uh, you know, we think about uh, inclusivity. We think about somebody that uh, is able to um, understand diversity within the workplace. And that's what makes it so important is that, you know, as we think about um, investing in our current, in, in, our, in, our, in our teams, you know, we're thinking about uh, ways to be able to lift them up, to be able to um, get them to kind of the next uh, step within their own uh, uh, kind of career journeys. Uh, and a big part of that is, you know, is being able to instill these key leadership principles. Uh, and equity and inclusion is a huge component of that. Uh, in, in an effort to be able to diver- diversify the workforce and the workplace and be able to uh, create cultures uh, of belonging within, uh, within our respective organizations. So the, the thing is, it's not just about offering uh, classes on microaggressions or unconscious bias because they're buzzwords right now. The way that we think about, uh, you know, um, uh, DEIB training is, is, is obviously offering those specific classes, but also weaving those principles throughout all of our content. And that's, that includes uh, classes outside of DEIB specifically, right? So when we think about um, unconscious bias as it applies to interview training, and, and how we interview individuals, et cetera, you know, that's something that we are conscious of. And that's something as we think about uh, uh, the creation of our content that, uh, that we're focused on uh, kind of optimizing for. How do we weave these principles into class, into all of our classes, not just those that are DEIB specific? I love that. Really quickly, I want to uh, touch on culture. How can HR leaders and organizations rework their company culture to make it more inclusive and foster belonging? 
I think that's a great question. You know, I'm going to kind of round it back to being able to just educate the workforce on why it's important. What is it? How do I identify, uh, you know, these behaviors within the workplace? Uh, you know, again, uh, thinking about unconscious bias and microaggressions, um, and then being able to train the workforce on how to mitigate those those challenges or those issues. And so really providing support through training and development. So, um, you know, I would say that that's become, you know, much more prevalent over the past couple of years than not, which is wonderful to see. But, you know, organizations can't just check a box, right? If they're looking to really make uh, or really, uh, you know, improve company culture um, and really be able to, to make change, it needs to be part of the infrastructure. And what I mean by that really is being able to incorporate a learning culture within the organization where uh, folks are open to hearing, you know, diverse uh, thought and things of that nature um, and providing opportunities for learning and development around DEIB and other areas. Uh, And from there, I think that, you know, naturally while people are learning, they're applying what they're learning. Uh, within uh, their day-to-day. The other thing I will say is, uh, and I think I said this earlier, this can't be a one and done. One thing that we uh, firmly believe in at home is the fact that we want to be able to provide a continuous learning experience. We're always learning. So being able to have those opportunities, uh, you know, for the organization to make space for people to um, have the time uh, to be able to uh, have those learning opportunities. for these, again, these these key skills that are fundamental to the improvement of of the individuals and the workforce as a whole, uh, is is really uh, you know it's imperative to to the success uh, of really bolstering a company culture. Yes, absolutely. And and where do you see corporate culture headed? Oh, I love that question. Where do I see uh, corporate culture headed? Um, I think just given where what we've what we've experienced over the past couple of years, and you know, uh, with the decentralization decentralization of the workforce and a focus on DEIB training, I just think that it's gonna what we're gonna see is a more inclusive workforce. I think when you start to talk, you know, when you start to talk, where there's visibility, there's accountability, and the fact that we're having these tough conversations now, where several years ago. That wouldn't have been the case. Um, I think naturally lends itself to the fact that you know uh, that change in, should be coming uh, because now we're having those again. We're having those tough conversations where, where it's out in the open, and when it's out in the open, you can't kind of just shove it back in a box. Honestly, I really love what you just said, and I just wrote it down uh, uh, as a quote here uh, that I have to use and, and, and highlight: where there is visibility, there is accountability. With regards to where uh, visibility, where there's visibility, there's accountability. I think that organizations are starting to realize uh, that, uh, or not just starting to realize, they're actually willing to talk about some of these tough issues. And uh, you know, with what's been going on over the past a couple of years, I think it's hard to sweep a lot of the stuff under the rug and say, okay, well, you know, we are an inclusive culture, or yeah, we'll do something about that. You know, I think that what's and what's happening now is that, uh, that individuals, or, you know, employees are kind of demanding accountability uh, from their uh, employers and, you know, and organizations are obliged to, to respond to that in some way. 
Uh, so I, I do think that, you know, there'll be obviously an impact uh, from a culture perspective because of the, this demanding of accountability, uh, uh, you know, from the employees, on, uh, you know, on behalf of their employers uh, to create environments uh, that are more diverse, that are open, that are transparent, that are, um, oh goodness, I can't remember what the word is that I was looking for, but uh, you get what I'm, uh, I'm going with right now. Absolutely. I love that. I, I love all of that. Uh, of course, uh, I think empathy is also needed in the workplace uh, and a bit of uh, vulnerability too. No question. I love that word empathy. I think that it's important uh, for us to be able to understand uh, each other is going through. Like what? What is what is my colleague uh, dealing with? And it, you know, it's funny because at one point, I think especially with work from home, we've started to realize that people are not just their work selves. Yes. Right. There is more to it because you'll be on a, a, a Zoom call or a Microsoft Teams call or whatever it is that you utilize, you know, uh, remotely. And you'll see a kid whizzing by in the background or uh, if you're taking a late call, you might be cooking uh, something and, you know, while, while you're speaking with your team. But there's life happening behind the scenes. And now uh, with remote work, it's make it, made it much more visible and it's made people more human. And I think that connection hopefully has become stronger. Uh, and with that, we're building empathy for one another, um, you know, to understand that there's more to things like, you know, we bring more to our day to day than just our ability to do our, our jobs. You know, we're carrying a, a lot with us. We're carrying, you know, everything that we're experiencing. I, I think it's safe to say uh, a lot of that uh, is, is also being experienced by, by your, by your colleague. By your neighbor. By your family. By your, oh, no question. No question. Uh, so, uh, you know, the ability to be able to, uh, to have empathy um, is, I, I, I'm, I'm hoping that, uh, that we're going to see more of that. And with that, I think there's going to be great change with regards to uh, company culture and, and respect for one another and, and, uh, you know, how we, how, how we, how we show up every day. Well, of course, it sounds like you, you're, you've heard all the conversations about authenticity in the workplace. Where, where do you stand on that? I don't think I know any other way. Um, <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. I, I think it's important to be able to, to bring your authentic self um, to work. And I think it's important. Again, I, uh, I'll repeat what I said earlier, where there's visibility, there's accountability. I think if you're bringing yourself and you're being honest and, and open, I think that does, uh, to your point earlier, right, create a culture of empathy and understanding. And so, and I think on top of that, I think that, um, you know, a lot of what's happened over the past couple of years has forced us to uh, think about what we really want and how we want to carry ourselves and and what we're willing to um, to deal with. And, and so, um, you know, I, I think we're having honest conversations with our, with our own selves on uh, what is that? Like, what do I, what do I want, uh, out of this experience? Uh, and you know, with that, I will say that it's, it's hard when you don't bring your authentic self to work to not be able to have that truth. It, it, it takes a lot to hide. Mm, yes. Right. So, um, just being able to have, to be able to open up that space within yourself because of the fact that you're able to be real, to be true to yourself, hopefully that makes things a lot easier. You're not carrying that weight. 
on your shoulders of not being able to be your authentic self. Yes, I love that. And not in uh, and being in an environment, excuse me, I'm too excited, where that's okay, right? And it's 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 okay to be you and you're not judged for it or something you know, whatever it is for it. It's like, no, of course, with boundaries, right? With boundaries. So all out. <laughs> yeah. but, but it's absolutely important. Uh, wow, I love that. I love that. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's funny because you, sometimes you see people that are, that that truly are expressive in all ways. Um, so <laughs> to your point around boundaries, I think it's something that uh, as, 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 as we bring ourselves, you know, as, as authenticity becomes more, we're weaving that into the fabric mm-hmm. of, of, of our experience within the workplace. I think naturally uh, with that, uh, you know, we start to see some boundaries that are set uh, what's kind of what's okay, what's not okay. Uh, but, um, but yeah, I think that it's, it's, I mean, that, that excites me about the future of work mm. that, that excites me to be able to have that openness. Uh, and I do believe firmly that diversity breeds innovation of course yes mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. different perspectives different mindsets uh different experiences everything is a melting pot there you go <laughs> that's awesome i love that um so i have my final question mm-hmm. uh, but is there anything else you'd like to add or talk about savina before i ask you that I, I've been excited about this final question, so I, I'm a little <laughs> bit nervous. But let's let's see what this is. <laughs> Savina, what's on your heart? What's on my heart? What's on your heart? Oh my goodness! I, th- I think for me, it's um, I think it's this has been a, kind of a, a running thread through our conversation. But I think compassion and empathy. I, I think uh, also an, 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 another word I've been saying a lot recently probably say it two or three times a day, but I think that grace is, is another thing um, that that's been sitting very close, literally to the chest, right? It's being able to give yourself grace, knowing that we're going through challenging times uh, that, you know, most of us have never experienced, never, never mind experienced, but thought would ever happen. Um, so being able to you know what's on, what's in my heart what's on my heart is is just being able to give ourselves and myself grace on dealing with the realities of today and that's both personally and professionally um and uh and being able to give grace to others uh and so uh, and that's what makes me excited about what we're doing at home right just being able to kind of educate uh around that um uh and providing space and, you know, for, for individuals to be able to express themselves, et cetera. So um, I think that uh, if I was to kind of um, aggregate or consolidate how I feel and what's in my heart, I, w- I would say, uh, I would say empathy and grace and compassion. I love that. I love that. Savina, thank you so much for being here. I truly appreciate you taking the time. It's my pleasure, Bianca. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. To our listeners, thanks so much for tuning in today. And remember, you can listen to us on SoundCloud and iTunes. Again, I'm Bianca Heron. Join us next time at the table. And as always, we'll have your seat waiting for you.